You've now locked into Living Blessed, the podcast, where we're talking the highs, the lows, the darkest moments that we've all hidden from the world, and everything in between. This is the moment of truth. This is why we're living blessed. And now, your host, Jovan J. Palmer. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Living Blessed, the podcast. I'm your host, Jovan J. Palmer. And as always, we got a special guest on who telling stories of from trauma to triumph, and I have no other than... I'm gonna call Lady Ty the Great because that's what I know her by, and I love that name because she is a very great individual. Thanks, thank Lady you, Lady so Ty. Much. How you feeling today? I'm doing great. Great, great. Appreciate you coming through. I'm glad you made it because you had a little car issues and all that good stuff. Yeah. But you're here. Yes. And you smiling. Yep. Shining bright. Pressed through. I'm blessed. You are blessed. Living blessed. Living a. <laughs> <laughs> Period. So go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Let them know who you are, where you're from, all that good jazz, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Let's go. Awesome. So hey, everybody. I'm Lady Ty the Great, and I'm originally from Queens, New York. I am the author of the self-published book, Daddy Issues. I'm also the writer's coach. I teach people how to triumph over their trauma by turning their life story into a self-published book. All right. Recently helped over 65 people become authors, so it's pretty cool. That's lit. 65 people. Plus, we're gonna get into that later. We'll <laughs> yeah, get into that later. Um, daddy issues. Why? What's what's the book title? So this is the book right here, right? Yes. Daddy issues, and it says, "Identity is revealed when you get healed." I love it. So, y'all get a copy. Um, but why daddy issues? Like, what you know? What's the reason for writing a book called Daddy Issues as a um, a lady? Okay, so the reason for writing the book called Daddy Issues, honestly, Joe, was obedience. Mm. Um, I did, that wasn't the first book that I chose to write. Um, I had a supernatural encounter with God. I was a non-believer, turn believer, um, due to circumstances that happened in life. And my daddy issues really mean um, that I was mad at God, my father. Right? I had some natural things take place with my well, natural. Hold on, God, your father's <laughs> like your. You had issues with God, the spiritual being. Yes. First. Yeah. And, okay, continue. Yep. Okay, okay. And um, due to events that took place when I was younger. So when yeah. I was younger, uh, I was molested at the age of eight, right? And sometimes people are like, ooh, when you talk about topics like that. But I talk about it so people can know that they can be healed and they can be successful and life is okay. I grew up um, with a lot of hurt, pain, anger, and bitterness and things, and I didn't know how to address those things. And so my issue was with this wonderful God that would allow something to happen to an innocent child. So it was my outlook and my view. So I had an upset issue with God, right? And then my natural father fell victim to drug abuse. Mm. So now I'm mad at my real dad, right? Disappointment, hurt, um, all of those different things, and which caused me uh, to do a number of different things, right? I'm not blaming any situation. I'm taking full responsibility, but it was because of my anger and my hurt and my issues why I made the decisions that I made in. We kind of just jumped right in, y'all. I mean, <laughs> I'm all for it, diving into it. And so I got married at the age of 18. And so what happened was the issues that I had that started with the creator was trickling down to every other relationship that I had. And this all started at eight years old. Yeah, at eight years old. Wow. Yeah. And so for me, uh, so daddy issues, I wanted to write a book after I had an encounter with God, right? Um, and that was at age 33. I had this supernatural encounter with the God that I had thought had forgotten me, left me, didn't care, right? I had this supernatural encounter where I knew that he was real, so it was no denying that. And I asked questions about my life, and he answered everything and was able to tell me that he had plans to prosper me, 
not plans to harm me, plans of hope in the future. And I begin to argue that point. Well, these are the things that have happened to me, you know, huffing and puffing like a little mm -hmm. kid. And God was like, well, that wasn't my plan. So I have greater for you. And then that's where the greater comes in. And he's like, and you're going to do great works. And I'm just like, Ugh. you know, and so God is explaining um, me and my life. And it was just undeniable. And so I wanted to write this book. Um, I ran to God, ran to church, ran to ministry, ran to like now I'm just excited because I found this new found love, had this encounter, and I feel the actual love of God, like he's a caring father. And then I want to write this book called Holy Who? Yes, you, you can live a life of holiness. So I want to tell the world how to be holy and about this mm. holy God. And um, at this point, when I began the book writing journey, I was living by faith, right? Supernaturally, finances was being provided. Um, no government finances, supernatural, y'all. <laughs> um, and so, you know, sometimes you have to divide that because people, but um, so God provided supernaturally. And when he told me to write the book, all the money that I had in my account was the exact amount of money to pay my Georgia power bill, right? And so I invested in a, a writing program that someone was offering. And when I invested in the program, I was giving her the title of my book and I was all excited and she was like, so you just holy? And I'm like, yeah, what you mean? Like, that's my book, you know? And she basically was like, well, what other titles do you have? And I'm like, right, this is not, you know? So I read through all of the titles. Daddy Issues was like numbered 12 or 14 or something, because they had plenty of titles. And when I got to the last one, she was like, that's it. And I was like, surely it's not, because I still have issues. I'm still mad. And mm -hmm. um, that was it. So I obeyed. I believe in obeying when you have a mentor or a coach or somebody that you are under for a reason. You know, I heard God's voice to take the class. I took the class. I took my, and my lights didn't get cut off, y'all. So shout out to God. <laughs> you know, we got to be clear. <laughs> there was a supernatural provision. But I sacrificed and I did something and God moved majorly. So I um, took her advice and I wrote Daddy Issues, but I was getting healed as I wrote. Mm -hmm. There were things that I hadn't dealt with mm -hmm. and things that I hadn't talked about and there were secrets, but I just began to write. And as I began to write, I didn't publish everything that I wrote. Why not? Because everything wasn't for publishing. I was being pruned. I was uprooting some things. I, I wrote a lot and it's very transparent. Whoa, whoa. But there's parts of us that need to heal. Sometimes people publish their pain. Mm. And I don't believe it's oh, God's intention and it surely wasn't my intention to uh, poison anybody, to hurt anybody. Just gave me an episode title. Go ahead. Continue. All right. <laughs> and so it, it wasn't my intention to, to hurt anybody in this process. Mm -hmm. I was just being obedient. So this book is a book about my life and things that I went through, things that I would for sure keep private especially having the name Lady Tata Great. I would just want to be great, awesome, and holy, okay? <laughs> and so, however, God would have it that I would write a book about daddy issues mm -hmm. so people can get to their true identity. We're trying to be amazing entrepreneurs. We're trying to be awesome business people, wonderful parents, but we haven't dealt with the true problems, abandonment, hurt, pain. We haven't forgiven people that causes pain and trauma, and some people just try to bury it. So this book is proof that you can be healed. And you can go through that process. So that's just a little bit of it. So in your writing of the book, and you're saying that you were pretty much pouring everything out into this book, like you put everything from the like the first edit, we'll say. And there are some things in there that you poured out. Now you're saying you say some people actually publish their pain and they're not healed from it. Why do you believe that's not a good idea to do? Because if you're in pain, 
right, and you haven't dealt with it, first deal with it, mm-hmm. right? Some people publish it because they believe that they're healed, but they don't seek any type of counsel at all, like not even a friend. Like you have to have an ear, even if they're not gonna go to like a therapist or they don't have the finances for that, there's still people out here that can help them not just cope, but deal with that. Like have you forgiven this person, Mm -hmm. right? And if you publish it, you're putting it in the earth, but how is that gonna help you? If I'm telling you somebody stepped on my toe and it hurt me so bad and I'm just mad and I'm just bitter, I'm producing the bitterness and the anger in the earth. That's not what I'm trying to leave. Like Michael Jackson said, heal the world. (laughs) Make it a better place. Like we're all supposed to be healing the world, Mm -hmm. right? And then, um, you know, I'm gonna give y'all just a smidgen. Can I give them a piece of the Bible? Like (laughs) Revelations 12 and 11 says, they overcame by the blood of the lamb, shout out to Jesus, and the word of their testimony, right? And so how are people, when I heard that, and I was like, well, why is this and here? Mm-hmm. And I was charged with, and when I say I was charged, it's like my conviction. So I'm not saying that everybody has to do that. But my conviction was, I am that and. I, my testimony is one that was shared with somebody that have done some of the wrong things that I've done, that have experienced some of the pain, that, hey, I, my toe was stepped on too. I know how you feel. I can relate to you, but you don't have to stay there. Because unforgiveness is actually going to eat you up. That bitterness, that hurt, that anger, it's going to show up in your business. When somebody looks like that relative, you know, so unresolved issues, it's just not what's up. Mm. And people have a facade like they're healed and they go on and these are areas untapped. So this is just a different way to approach um, the truth, just writing it, getting it out, but also sharing the healing process. And people can't share that process because they haven't been healed. Mm. So journey us back from the age of seven to current day Mm, oh my stars and so (laughs) um the age of seven i just remember being spoiled right having a picket fence living in queens new york it still was survival of the fittest (laughs) but i had no clue um because i went to catholic school i would go to church only on sunday shout out to easter right (laughs) um and we'll go with my dad my mom worked um very nine to five on point a very uh structured uh my dad was just you know he didn't live with us we would go to um coney island like that was the highlight of my uh of my life to go to coney Island. but some things took place in life where disappointment came in maybe he made a promise and oh i'm gonna be here at this time and didn't show up and that began to um have me like not trust right but then something happened where I was uh, sexually violated and that threw everything off because it was by a family member and it was like a secret, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah, it's yeah. like you're told as you're younger to trust these people and then something took place and it's like, oh no, like I'm, I was supposed to trust this person. Who do I tell with this situation? Right, and right. so, um, yeah, so that was one of the things that took place in the beginning of the journey. The disappointment, the the violation, and then going to Catholic school, they teach different, right? They teach more religion, not relationship. And what I learned from them was that you're um, dirty, like once you sin, so how do you get clean? So without me having someone to walk me through the counsel of it, I felt like, oh no. Y'all getting ready to laugh, y'all ready to laugh? Because this is heavy, but, I wanted to be a nun when I was little. What? (laughs) 
I wanted to actually marry God because I was like, oh, that's lit. Nuns is married to God, like the way that they described it. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. when this violation took place, it took away my nun rights. So really? I was, yep. Yeah, well, oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so is this like a, this is something that you thought or was that, is this something like a Catholic belief? This is something that I thought like, they're like, oh, the nuns don't have husbands. They are, they give their life to God and that's all. So they're married to him. Like this, mm -hmm. that's the life that they live. Okay, okay. So okay. in my head at this young age, I'm like, bet, that's good. Like married to God, I can do that. And then when this happened, I was like, oh no, sin is taking place. I'm dirty. Like, you know what I mean? You got to do the confessions. You got to do all this stuff. I don't even know. Like I'm out of the God box. Your, pro your thought process was more so what happened to me was my fault. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to me um, was not, not really was my fault, but why did somebody that I trust or why did somebody that we trust, like why, why were trusted people violating? Yeah, because yeah, it was, yeah. it was, that was one of the processes. Then uh, it was just so many things that I began to see um, in leadership, um, teachers, um, just a lot of different things began to take place where I felt like I couldn't trust adults or mm -hmm. even trusted individuals so it was like i'm following these rules why are these things happening to me right because yeah, i was yeah. trying to do i like i think i came out trying to do everything right <laughs> you know i was like okay i want to do this i want to do that and so once that took place it was like man that took me out of the perfect box mm. and that was um devastating <clears throat> i believe for me and then it was like well why is this happening i'm so young i didn't do anything and so for people out there that feel um like they're at fault or that they have others to blame because i i was blaming at that point the people because things were happening to me so i was blaming them but then i was like well wait a minute god is in control of everything so it's not even their fault it's your fault why'd you let that happen you know what i mean i had plans to marry you <laughs> had big you let plans, me down. G. <laughs> right 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 so uh so that was some of it wow so in that process you're talking about you're upset with god how was that? Because you said that was that the process, the point when you converted from a believer to a non-believer at that point? At or? that point, it was just my anger. I was angry with God. But it mm -hmm. wasn't until after um, I got older, 18, started working in the music industry, working with different uh, groups, different people and things like that. I heard this voice um, say that I was an entrepreneur by the age of 16. Um, what? I was actually doing marketing and promotion. So I had a company called LIP, stands for Ladies in Promotion. And I had 25 people. There were people in my neighborhood, uh, females. I was like, man, there's a lot of us. Um, these record labels always need people to hand out the tapes, because back then it was tapes. Shout out to those who know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so the record labels had tapes. They had big stickers. You would put stickers on the poles. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, they're always needing people. I first started working with the, um, I did an internship at WBLS. Mm -hmm. and they ended up hiring me later on. Um, I did an internship at WBLS, working in marketing and promotion. But it was so awesome because they allowed you to work in every department. I just knew I wanted to be um, Hype Williams when I grew up, right? I wanted to direct videos because I would hear music mm. and the video wouldn't match the music. Mm. So I'm like, man, who is doing this? Like, I have to tell the artist, like, this is how the video should look because this is how it looks in my head. Yeah. And so... Um, I went through some troubled times in high school due to all of the different things. Mm -hmm. um, now, my um, with my father um, using drugs, and I wanted to be bad, and I wanted to sell drugs, right? I was mad. Yeah, it was just, yes. Talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Don't skip over that. <laughs> right. And so um, I had allowance, and um, 
took the allowance money and asked a friend of mine, what did they do? Uh, well, actually what happened, we were in an alleyway one day um, and like friends that, you know, our grandparents used to drive each other home from the grocery store. So just neighborhood friends. And I was in this alley just talking to my friends and sitting there. And my friend was like, hey, let's go to the store. And I was like, let's go to, we just came back from the store. But they were trying to distract me because my dad was coming up to mm. get something from them. And I was just like, wow, like, what are you doing here? And so I kind of hardened up. And I was like, you know what, if this is what he's doing, like, I want a piece of it too then, you know? And I felt robbed and it's really weird. So I asked my friend, like, what amount of money do I have to give you to get it and flip it and whatever, however that goes. And so, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what um, actually took place. And that began, I guess the entrepreneurship began a little bit before. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, Lady Tyler, dope dealer. Right, and so, um, so that was part of the process. And they mm -hmm. were like, no, you don't want to do this. You know, and I was just like, man, please. So I was so hurt. My mask was just to be even harder. Mm. Right. And um, and so I went ahead and gave them some money um, and they just told me how it went. And that was just the start of that. But that really wasn't for me. Um, then I started going to high school. Got in trouble in high school. I got all Z's. Z. Z. Like instead of A, B, I got Z's. What is a Z? Never reported. You just didn't go to school? Well, I went to August Martin, and that was during the time where asbestos was out. Like, they had, like, whatever. And so they had us meeting in the auditorium for the first high school year. And when they had us meeting in the auditorium, by the time they tried to give us a structured schedule, we already were used to lounging, hanging, and cooling. So when we had these classes, it was like, hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I got in trouble in high school, and they asked me to please exit. Um, you know, since you're not coming to class, you're not doing these things. And I got put in an alternative high school. And so alternative high school, shout out to Satellite. Okay, woo, woo, woo. Um, so got put in this alternative high school. And fortunately, the alternative high school had amazing programs for the youth, like for the bad kids. I'm just going to say it like that. Right. Um, so when I was in August Martin, um, they had a communication program. I went there for television and radio. Mm -hmm. So you were learning TV with the big old roller TVs. And that was awesome. They tried to get you um, different, you know, interview. They tried to set you up with different things. So it was really great what we were learning. So I learned the old school way to do things. But now when I'm in um, satellite, they actually put you on internships in actual real places. So they say, hey, we have this opportunity. You can go to school half of the day and you can go to work at a radio station and I was like, fine. Um, so they put me inner city broadcasting. I didn't know what that was. And um, at the time, Les Brown was the radio host there. And um, I went there and they were like, you have to work in every department. I was like, I don't wanna work in every department. I just wanna learn this. And they was like, well, this is how this internship goes and this is what you'll be doing. And I was so happy that I did work in every department because I got to learn so many things and connect with so many people um, through that internship i was actually working with um les brown on his morning show and we were able to write out different titles for his shows yeah. and different things <laughs> like that it was so cool i met betty shabazz um yeah How malcolm x wife it was wonderful she was so sweet so awesome so so wonderful um i met so many people but i did not know at that time the quality mm. of the life yeah, and yeah. the blessing that i was in I began to feel entitled, like, oh, I made this happen, it's cool. And I was like, well, I'll make this work. Um, then I'll never forget, they had a, a college bus tour coming up. And I was like, oh, 
A college vessel, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, Miss Brown had a company where she always helped the youth in the community go to the, this college bus tour. And I wanted to go to this college bus tour. I took it home to my mom and showed it to her. It was about 1500 And my mother was like, girl, like you can pay, that's college prices. You know, it was a historic black college bus tour. You went from New York to DC to Atlanta. You went all over the place. Um, and my mom was like, those prices are, you know, like let's, let's say no to that and save the money for actual college that you're gonna go to. Dang. So I was like, oh, and I understood where she was coming from. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, um, <clears throat> especially, you know, in the alternative school and all that. She was like, sis, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, let's take it easy. Think about this real quick. Yeah, so I ended up um, saying, okay, I really wanna go to this school. So I got, I knew somebody who had a nonprofit and I asked them if I could use their nonprofit ID number Mm -hmm. and buy some candy at this place that if you had candy, you can sell it. So I set up the candy. They say yes. Um, shout out to Mr. Richmond Nelson. Um, I set up the candy at the radio station. If everybody donate a dollar. Why did you choose a nonprofit to use? Because it's tax write-off. How did you know that? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, well, you know what? I was a part of... So the troubled times had led me to... My mom wasn't having it. First of all, shout out to my mom. Ooh, ooh. She wasn't having it. She took me to court. Pins, person in need of supervision, because I was just doing what I wanted to Your do. Your mom took you to court? Oh, yeah, she took me to court. Shout out to New York court system. How old were you? I was probably like 13, 14. Your mom took you to court at 13 years old? Yes, because I was kind of doing what I wanted to do. So I was loose. So if you just like running away, don't want to stay at home, and you're doing... But I had my reasons, right? Um, but my mother, as a responsible individual, like, oh, I'm not about to get in trouble for you. I'm going to get authorities involved to give you some structure, which I'm glad that she did. That was smart of her. Oh, very smart, because look at what we produce now, y'all, we outside. <laughs> and so, in a good way. But um, yeah, so she took me to court and they gave me something called PINS, Person in Need of Supervision, which said that I had to stay either with my mother or my grandmother. It was no me doing, you know, and it gave me hours and things like that, and I had to get some form of counseling. So the counseling came from this wonderful woman named Ms. Ricks, which was a part of a government nonprofit organization. And inside the council, and I would go in there and sit and talk with her. She was amazing. She handed me a flyer for this program called Youth in Careers. And she's like, hey, every Wednesday they meet. They give you a stipend if you come. It's part of the NCNW, National Council of Negro Women. And I was like, cool. So I went there, and it was in this program where I kind of found myself, or I saw myself slipping. They set video cameras up. And I was sitting in the chair like this. I had my chain on, I had two chains, two chains, four, two chains. So I had my chain on and I'm slouching. And they're like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, tell us about yourself, kind of what you did. But then my interview went like this. My name is Ty, I'm a Leo, I like Nas, and I'm gonna be a photographer. You know, so I was slouching, looking crazy, and um, I didn't know that at the time. Like, you don't know how you look until you actually see yourself. Mm. And so a couple of weeks go by in this program and they play this video. Now, these people, to me, they're weird to me because it's two different, you know, two different ladies. I don't know what their deal is. I know I'm coming here to get the stipend and these hard cookies, right? And this juice mm -hmm. it's good. <laughs> and so it's a little bit of us in this class. And we're like, <laughs> man, is the room is, you know. Awkward. So we're there and they say a positive quote and they say, hey, give us a, you know, it's just really nice, but mm -hmm. I don't understand this level of caring. These people don't know us. What are they doing? And so they play back this tape and I look at myself slouching, leaning, 
and I'm and I'm like, what am I saying? I'm a Leo. Like that's the gist of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm a I like Nas. Like what? Is there any more to you? And I'm mumbling. I can't even hear myself. And so that caused me to want to um, just next time when I had the opportunity to be in front of the camera to uh, <clears throat> sit up, you know what I mean? And present myself. And yeah. so they had this gentleman that would come in and what he would always say, finish what you start. And they had no pressure with their application in pushing us to greatness. They were just available and presented information that was like, wake up. Like every time you walk out the house, you're saying, hello world, here I am. What are you actually trying to say? So that was a wake up call for me. So I worked there. Um, well, I got the stipend from them and then they hired me to work there in the program because I was a great turnout. Mm -hmm. And then during that course, I also got the internship at the radio show. So it was like everything was kind of opening up at that, um, at that time. So yeah, and from the internship at the radio show, I met so many different people. I, I met Chuck Chillout and um, Chuck Chill out, shout out to you, boop, boop. And when I um, met him, I was saying, hey, introduce me to Ralph McDaniels so he can introduce me to Hype Williams. Oh, Ralph McDaniels. So video music box is something that used to come on a long time ago before like MTV and all of that stuff. Uh, DJ Ralph McDaniels will host uh, these video shows where you can see videos come on and it was like the way to see music television videos. And so I was telling Chuck to introduce me to Ralph McDaniels so he could introduce me to Hype Williams so I could do these videos. I'm gonna do these videos, y'all. Um, so, so I had a plan and Chuck was like, hey, I have a video show, come down to the video show. I'm like, man, I don't wanna come to your show. So I go to his show. Um, anyway, I go to the show and while I'm there, his producer's like, hey, since you're here, you need to learn something. Like, just don't sit around and I'm like, I'm trying to meet who I'm trying to meet because I'm trying to do what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So he's like, okay, but anytime you go someplace, learn when you have the chance. Like you don't even know what you're around. So it was so neat. It was in Metro Access Studios. And so when you go in, it's like this little place. And y'all remember back in the day when they had, well, I don't know, but maybe you do. Back in the day, they had like the psychic numbers people can call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, this, so when you walk in, you go down these stairs and it's these like two people with these little, you know, they had this small right, desk right, little, and they yeah. got the big old video camera. The psychic people are there with dial one, dial in right now. And so he, um, Chuck had his own show, which people dialed in to pay for the videos they wanted to see and they get a shout out. So the videotapes, I'm not even kidding you, like, Probably if we put both of our feet together, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is the size of the big old, they were like these beta tapes that you put inside a machine and you cue it up. And Erica Badu, um, Next Lifetime was out during that time. Um, uh, I Belong to You was out by Rome. And okay. so the guy, I remember those specifically because those were the videos that I learned to cue up and I learned to fade them in and fade them out. And that was cool and that was fun. So I actually learned production on another level. Remember, I learned it in high school. Now I learned it here, and I was like, okay, this is cool. The guy and Chuck get into an argument, and he quits. So the next day, uh, he comes to, uh, you know, uh, while I'm working at the radio show, and he's like, hey, I talked to them about changing your um, hours because we need you to actually, um, I need you to actually run the show. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I can't run the show. <laughs> like, I was just, I barely even put the tape in. And he was yeah. like, you know more than me. I have to be in front of the camera, so I need you. You're the only person that, like, you, I, there's nobody else. Like, come on. And um, I went, and the first couple days was messed up, y'all. 
But I was, in fact, a producer at the age of 16, 17 for the Chuck Chill Out Flow Show. So that was amazing. That was dope. Um, and I was all the while being encouraged in life, but I still was upset with God and still felt like I was making a way. Right. Yeah. I had a question. Like, you know, sure. going through all of that, you know, you're becoming something great, but you still got this undealt with pain and trauma. How are you functioning? I was functioning by, ooh, <laughs> by becoming the leader of my life. Mm. So I took control by believing I was in control. So now I began to control everything, so I thought. And then I heard this voice say to me, I'm going to give you everything and show you it's nothing without me. Mm. I was like, I don't even know what that voice is because at this point, I'm creating all of this. I want to go to the college tour. I got a box. We're selling out candies. I'm making, I made over uh, over $4,000 in candy. And I sponsored another person to go on a college tour trip. $4,000 in candy. Dollars. How long did it take you to make the 4000 You know something? Um, Less than two months. Yeah, less than two months because so what, the trip was dollar? coming up. Yeah, $1. Eminem, shout out to Eminem's. And all of the, yeah, the, you know the box of, the box of yeah, candy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I made um, that money. And when I made it so far, and people were allowing me to come on their radio shows because they knew me now. And they was like, oh, you want to go to college? That's so awesome. So now um, WBLS is, that's the FM side, 107.5. That was then. And then they also had 1190 AM, which was the AM side. So it was news and things like that. So people were allowing me to come on their shows and talk. I did my first commercial there. Like, it was just, so a lot of, Things and a lot of doors were opening and I didn't realize the favor that I had. Then we went on a, I did the Love Jones movie premiere. That was awesome. Yeah. So it was, I met Missy Elliott all the way back then, like when she was first coming out. Yeah. And so um, it was just so dope because I was able to see like a humongous big picture and it was like it was just falling into my lap. Um, then I'm um, connected with my sis, shout out to uh, Makiba Moon Cycle. And she's an independent artist and she had amazing music. And she connected me with her friend Moet. Um, rest in peace to Moet. Um, and Moet had a company called Reflections of the Street where they did street promotion. I had no idea what that was. And she worked with uh, different accounts like Smooth the Hustler and different artists um, independently, um, Tracy Lee and stuff. And so that's where I learned about passing out flyers and things like that. And so once I connected with her, um, I was like, man, this is cool, but it was different because we only did it in the nighttime and it was a different type of setting. I said, I would like to do this a little bit different, but in the daytime um, with shirts, you know, I just wanted to do a different spin on it. And so that's when I created Ladies in Promotion and I went corporately up to each record label because back then it was like you had Universal, you had uh, Trackmasters, you had Sony. There were so many labels under record labels, Blunt Records, Loud Records. And so I went to each label with a proposal like, hey, if you give me this product, um, if I charge five cent per flyer to hand it out, yeah. And Whoa, um, what time was this? Like, but this is this? Uh, this is ninety six. Ninety okay, five cent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep, ninety five, ninety six. And so I'm like, this is what I charge uh, five cent a flyer, or if you give me bulks flyers, t-shirts, and all of these things. So now I'm working at the radio show, working at the video show, and now I'm coming up with this hustle as well. And they're like, cool. So they're writing me 
checks and I'm getting checks from labels and I'm like, oh, bet. So I tell all my people in my neighborhood, like, hey, you're hired, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I type it up because as a typewriter is out, computers just came out. I make this flyer, put dollar signs on it. I go to uh, office, one of the office stores because it was only one back then. It wasn't all of these. But and I get the paper with dollar signs on it. I print it and I'm like, cool. Um, and so we're working, ladies in promotion. And it looks so amazing because everybody had like the same shirt. We would go out like four at a time. A friend of mine that I met inside the youth program, Mike, shout out to Mike. Um, we He had a car. So I was like, hey, if you want to work with us, we'll take care of your gas, right? Because I had got a, a credit card from Amico. And so I was like, we'll take it. Amico is a gas station. I said, we'll take care of your gas and um, you can roll with us and I'll give you free tapes and stuff. He was like, cool. So to this day, he's an amazing marketing and promoter, but it started with us. And um, yeah, and so we would go all over the place, putting up stickers, handing out flyers, doing whatever product we had. So I started actually in um, marketing and promotion. So there's a lot to this story, so we can go whatever way. But, yeah, um, yeah. but that's where we started in the music industry. I was too young to get into the first party that I threw, and it was called Foxy at the Roxy. So you threw a party and couldn't get in? Yeah, I, didn't, I was part of the promotion. So um, Foxy Brown came out mm -hmm. for her album. She was new on the scene. Um, I worked on the Foxy Brown album, The Firm. Um, Mary J. Blige, Share My World, anything that Trackmasters did during that era of Yvette Michelle, I was part of it on the back end with the street team. And we were doing very good until somebody had an idea like, we can get interns to do this. We can get high school kids to do this for free. We paying this girl, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so um, it kind of shifted. Some of the clients, I still was able to keep them, but once they were able to get high school kids to do it, that was a wrap. So I had to pivot. Mm -hmm. And then uh, that's when party promotion came into place. So, yeah, so that's, that's, that's part of the story. But all the while, still upset, making a way. I'm like, all right, well, it is what it is. The world is cruel. This, these things happen. I know God is real, but whatever. But during that course is when I met um, the person that I ended up marrying at the age of 18. Mm -hmm. And so that was like, hey, you don't have to work and do this. We can start our own record label. And so uh, we went off to start a label, but things happened with him. Uh, he was in the streets. He ended up getting locked up. And that was that story that I ended up having um, our daughter. And so I was like, well, I'll leave all of that alone. And I pivoted again. I said, I need a job or something I can do with a kid. So I became a clown. You became a clown. Because <laughs> you could take kids with you to a clown show, right? Ah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, smart. That's smart. So, right. So I got my, my <laughs> daughter and I have my son. And now I'm Sweetie Pie the Clown. And I met... And how I became a clown, I met another clown. It sounds funny you say clown, but I was a paid clown, so don't play. <laughs> right? Period. Charge one seventy five an hour. Don't get it twisted. Right? You get a little bag. Oh, yeah. Clown gets the bags, honey. Right? Um, and so face painting, animal balloons, and all of that. But I was not a willing clown, I must say. A lot of things in my life that have been purposed, I uh, was against it at first. Right? Mm. Um, so I met went to that program, that youth program, they ended up hiring me, the wonderful woman there, um, Cassandra um, Williams, she's so awesome, Miss Cassandra, she was the one that introduced me, she says, hey, this woman, Gloria, Laurie Terrell, she needs help um, with what she does, and she was an amazing artist for theater and everything, she would go around the world performing Martin Luther King and Sojourner Truth, and in addition to that, she was a clown, she had her own African-American clown company. And I was like, what is the deal? Like, I didn't even know we had our own clowns. Like, why we, <laughs> okay? And so I went to help her. And I was getting paid a little bit to help her. I wasn't doing much. I wasn't mad, but I was happy for the extra money because I just had my daughter. And I went with her with a show to do some shows. And I felt like 
maybe you really had to be a certain type of way to be a clown. So I was judgmental on the clown thing at first. Mm -hmm. Then she introduced me to some other clowns. And this woman had, hey, clown, don't be clowning around. <laughs> she introduced me to some other clowns, and she, and you get a good interview, Joe. And she had, this clown was doing education for African American history through puppets. And I was like, oh, that's dope. You out here with the puppet show. Now, I like that type of clown because mm -hmm. you ain't really clowning, but you clowning. Oh, the clowns are puppeteers, too. Yes. So I, never knew. I thought it were two separate things. Oh, yes. No, this particular clown. Had it going on. She had a puppet show. She had the bouncy house. And this is back in the day. So bouncy house. It's not, you couldn't get a bouncy house at Walmart, friend. Okay. This is where you had to know somebody for a bouncy house. And it cost a lot. And so when I saw the different swag of the clowning, I was like, oh, okay. And there were other people. And once this clown, when she washed off her face, she looked like me. Like she was young. She was cool. She was, you know. And I, she was like, yeah, I never worked a day in my life. You know, um, this all I do. Like I walk with a limp. But um, this this is what I do. And she was like, you would be great at this. And I was like, girl, no. But she gave me a reason to not say no. She asked me if I would be a princess for her company. And I was like, oh, princess? Sure, that's a dress and a paint nails. And I did that, and I was really good at it. And then she says, hey, um, here's the a paint startup kit. Have you ever thought about painting? So it was this little book, and it had the little colors. And she was like, just try it. And I said, OK, cool. The next event, she booked me to be a princess again. Then I painted faces, and it was cool. And then the next event, she booked, and I was getting $75 an hour from her. Um, that she was, that was a great amount of money. And I was like, wow. Then she gave me this clown outfit. And one day we were in Brooklyn, shout out to BK, stand up. <laughs> uh, one day we were in Brooklyn at this event in the projects. And she was like, hey, I need you to do me a favor. Could you stand in as a clown? Could you put this outfit on, you know, put a little bit of paint on your face and just paint their faces and stuff. I have to go somewhere. I was like, okay, yeah, I got you. She was like, yeah. So she went wherever she went, and she came back, and she handed me an envelope. And inside the envelope had hundreds of dollars. And I was like, oh, you made a mistake. You know? And she was like, no, this is how much clowns get paid when we do events like this. This is a block association. And I was like, oh, clown me in then. How much money was it? It was about 700 So you got paid $700 to be a clown for how many hours? You know something? It was probably about four hours or more. Yeah, probably about four hours. I didn't even recognize how long it was because it was so much fun. It was so much fun. So, but I was so I had the outfit. I had the. She was like, "You were a clown." Like I was in denial. You know, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm just doing my friend a favor because I'll do a favor for you real yeah. quick. But I'm not a clown. You know what I'm saying? And so she was like, "You have the outfit on. You painted the faces. You entertained the kids. You were the clown at this event." I went and did another job. You were the clown. Oh, she set you up. Yeah, it was a setup. And so then she said, and you can keep that outfit and you can keep that paint. So my deal with not wanting to be the clown was the investment that involved. Because the paint, like one color paint was $8. And I'm like, oh, I'm not, but I'm barely, you know, I'm out here trying to make money. I'm not one about to. One color is $8? Yeah, because it's hypoallergenic paint if you get the good paint. And so um, one color. So imagine how many colors you need painting. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, I'm not about to invest in that. And I just don't see myself. As a clown, I just finished working in TV and radio. Like, I'm not about to just be clowning out here. But it was amazing. So, yeah, so that was part of the journey, also being a clown and having a children's entertainment company. But as the kids got older and they were able to go to school and talk, because my deal was I wanted to be with my children until they can talk. Mm -hmm. Because, remember, I had been through trauma. So I didn't want yeah. nothing to happen to them that they couldn't tell me. So yet. how was it raising a child, um, going through the situation that you've gone through with molestation and raising a young lady? How was that in the back of your head as far as, like, you know, just living and maneuvering through life? 
um, becoming very overprotective and trying to watch everything. Because my mother was an excellent, is an excellent mother, right? And so she did great. I had a picket fence, a swing set, all that Catholic school, the whole setup, put sign me up for the band. But yet something still happened. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ooh. And my deal was I, I was very, um, didn't feel like I was ever would be equipped to be a mom because moms can't see everything and yeah. can't be everywhere. You know what I mean? And even as great as my situation was, there still was a secret. And I was like, I don't want that to happen. So I just don't want to try that mother thing out. But first come love, then come marriage, then come the baby <laughs> and the baby carriage, right? So you do the hell situation mm -hmm. and there you go, right? And so that was the situation. And um, now being a mother, it was just like very overprotective, making sure I was there. So entrepreneurship was a must. Even the daycare that I did put my daughter in, I worked there like two days out the week to see what they was doing. <laughs> I was like, let me see if I can get a job here and then you can go here. Otherwise, I don't know what we're going to do. So very um, overprotective and um, and not trusting, again, God. Like he's He's in control. Yeah. And he knows all things. He's going to use all things to work together for the good. But I hadn't had that revelation. Mm -hmm. I didn't even believe that. I didn't see how the pain was going to be turned into purpose. So how do you feel that when you're going through these pains and you're trying to go through these motions of life, mm -hmm. how do you feel that affected you being over the overprotective mom? And how did you feel it, um, it affected your daughter being overprotective, her trying to grow up and find her own way? Right, that's a, a excellent question. So how it affected me as a mom, would it made me a control nut? Mm -hmm. Like feeling like I could control everything, being, um, being anxious, right? Not even yeah. knowing what, not, I didn't believe that I was anxious, right? I didn't believe that. I don't know. It just had me be very concerned, very careful, and walking on my own pins and needles. Like, you know, checking everything, trying to make sure everything was okay. Trying to be perfect, which there was no such thing. You know what I mean? Right, um, right. And for her, a part of me still as a parent uh, feels like Man, you made it. My prayer, because I was praying, my prayer was like, God, all right, please just keep her safe till she's 16. Then when 16, okay, God, please just keep her until she's 18. Like, you know what I mean? Please don't let this. And so every time the God would meet the mark, I would just extend the prayer request. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, hey, all right, cool, cool. We made it right here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, all right, bet. So can we, we go a little longer? Yeah, like, all right. <laughs> and so God was like, girl, bye. But, um... Yeah, so I'm, I was grateful and thankful, but you never know. When you're a parent and a human, you think you're doing the right thing by mm -hmm. covering and protecting, not realizing that people do have to live their own life. But I had rather had her safe and give her the opportunity to grow and explore and be um, sheltered than to be like what I was. I was sheltered, but yet exposed. Mm -hmm. I had like the good mom that would turn the library book in way before it was due. Then I had the dad that teach you how to steal. Like, wait a minute. So I was like, holy hood. Like, it was like you had both. You had the grandmother and the grandfather. So I seen the, I saw the father figure paying for all the things in the house, taking care of things. So I saw that, I, and I was spoiled brat, so I knew my worth. But then later on, me and my father had a physical encounter, like, uh, where he put hands on me. So this is the first person that it was an abuse, like, that was accepted, that was covered up. So it was like, oh, no. So it was like I had the good, the bad, the ugly, and I just didn't want anybody to experience any of that under my watch. Not realizing that you're creating something else by even being overprotective. You think what you're doing is good and great, but none of us can get things perfect, but we can aim for it. Yeah. So I did the best that I could do. Yeah.
So let's talk about your healing process because myself being a victim of childhood molestation as well. Wow. Um, the healing process. Shout out for Triumph. Come on, yeah, period. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the healing process wasn't the best for me because I had to relive everything at every right. moment. And what I tell a lot of people is that you never lose sight of the vision of what happened to you. Right. Like I can play back to this day, even though it happened 10, 15 years ago, mm -hmm. I can still play back to this day what happened to me. And let's talk about your healing process from the moment you said, you know what, I got to fix this inside of me because I feel like sometimes, like you mentioned earlier, right? you had said um, that trauma can carry over into life and into your business. And I yeah. realized that, like my trauma carried over into business. Like I wasn't getting things done right. I was always like dropping the ball here and there. And I realized that I can't, I gotta get me right first. Right. Before I even try to fix anybody else because I'm a life coach and I'm, you know, therapist and all types of stuff. I'm like, yo, this is not yeah. the move. So let's talk about your healing process and that journey. Yeah, so my healing process actually began um, with my encounter with God. When God told me that I was forgiven, that he was gonna put me back on track as if Nothing ever happened. Back to be a nun or just back in No, I didn't get to be the nun, but I was <laughs> Halloween. Like, I could get to your party city. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so maybe maybe that's in 2022. Lady Todd, great. Heard it here first. Maybe if Joe invite me back, I have my nun outfit. <laughs> so, you will not. I will not. You How you know? Try it. <laughs> not doing no nun outfit. <laughs> so then maybe I'll finish Holy Who, Yes You. Right? Here we go. <laughs> so, um, however, the healing process for me started when I encountered God and felt the love of God like I was at such a low point I was so low I was lower than you can go I was like past depression I was past suicide like I didn't even know it was levels to even that like you know what I mean um I had made some other decisions what uh, so I was married for 18 years I was married for not 18 years I got married at 18 then he got locked up blah 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 we was married for like uh 12 13 years and then something shifted when he came out of prison things was crazy so you were still married while he was in prison Oh, yeah. We remained married for that time. He came out. Things was different. It became abusive. It was like Tina Turner. I was like, I ain't Tina Turner. Like, I was fighting back. And then I was like, whoa, hold on. Wait a minute. And then we were on the news in Georgia. So I'm going to fast forward. So 2008, your girl was on the news. We lived in Tucker, Georgia. Had no idea Georgia would put it on the news. New York would just keep it moving like it didn't even happen. But, um, yeah, we were on the news. And so that was actually kind of the end of me. Um, I had made a decision we was going through some things. I called his mom. I'm a snitch. <laughs> I was like, hey, uh, this is going on and I can't take this any longer. And it feels like it's either him or me. So before you hear this any other way, I'm letting you know, like, I'm not going for it. Him or me, like what? Like like him or me, friend. You heard the song, Jay-Z. It's him or me. Like him or me. Meaning we're fighting. It's abusive. My body's bruised up. Like it's going down over here. And he's told me that he was going to out me. He like So we're in a real situation, and we moved to Georgia. I'm thinking leaving New York, things would have been different. So I'm in a now an abusive relationship that I realized myself. So I'm like, yo, I counsel people in relationships like this. This can't be me. How, like, how, so now I'm living a whole nother life, because like, now I'm mad. So we get into another altercation, and I decide, you know what, Ty? Don't hit back, don't kick, don't do nothing. Cause I wasn't an angel. Like you might say something crazy and something might come flying across the room, right? So at this point, I didn't know if it was him or me, okay? Yeah, didn't know yeah, it was yeah. you or me, I'm spicy, right? And so we're sitting there and um, 
an altercation breaks out. Again, no, I didn't start it, right? And I'm up against the wall being choked out, y'all. In, in a choke voice, I'm like, is this what you moved us to Georgia for? And he was like, man, I would have did that in New York. Then the Holy Spirit said, yes, y'all, we went to holiness all in the middle of this. The Holy Spirit said he was doing that in New York. So now I'm against the wall with this voice. Y'all can laugh because I survived. Right? And so I'm up against the wall with this voice. And I'm hearing something out of my head again. Now, remember, I heard something when I was younger. Say, I'm going to give you everything and show you it's nothing without me. Right? Now I'm an adult with children in this situation. And I hear this voice say he was doing it. So I'm like, who said that? Like, somebody said you was doing that. And he was like, man, you're going crazy. Like, I told you you was crazy and this and that. And so I'm just like, no, somebody said you was doing that. So now my ego meets the Holy Spirit versus it's a whole battle going on inside of me. My ego's like, girl, he's doing that to you. Like, uh-uh, you can't even have that. So now it's like, oh, okay, yep, bet. You know, the New York is coming out. So now it's just like, all right, it's him or me. You're, I said, you realize I'm not hitting you. I'm not kicking you. I'm not responding back. Like, and this is what you're doing. So it was, it was then where it was obvious, like, yo, this is crazy. And so then I had made a decision. And I'm like, Dad, he's smart. How can I get rid of him, right? No one do, uh, if you try to poison him, he might try to get the food to the kids or something. So now I'm thinking strategically, and I'm like, dang, I'm going to go to jail, jail. Like, <laughs> you gonna go to, I'm going to go to jail because I know I don't know how to kill nobody. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I know it. And I like, well, you gonna wrap him up in a rug. Like, he's heavy. Like, he's taller than me. Like, this is just like, how does this? You have I'm, these thoughts all the while he's choking you. Oh, yeah. So, but this is no, so the choke thing is finished now at this point. So now I'm plotting in my head, like, what I'm about to do. So I call his mama, tell his mama, like, it's him or me. And then I'm like, man, um, this is, I'm gonna go to jail. And this is what I said. No offense to nobody, but I said, I don't wanna be gay. I like lobster and butter sauce, not margarine, okay? And I just know there's certain things that they're not doing in prison. Okay. So, <laughs> so you go to restaurants and they got margarine and not butter. So I just was like, bruh, I feel like I should be able to live my life. Like I still got through all that other stuff and now here I am. So this is my conversation. And I heard boom, boom, like thunder and lightning in between my ears, loud. The audible voice of God say, I'm not making you go to jail. And I'm like, well, guess what? That cannot be God, because if that was God, God would know that I'm about to go to jail because I've decided something that I've never decided before. And so, um, yeah, God said I wasn't making you go to jail. And I heard the voice loud. It was loud. It's the loudest thing I've heard to this day. And um, the next time an altercation went on. Well, I know I called the police next time the police came. Shout out to DeKalb County. They came and told us that young people should stay married. We don't want to get the authorities involved. I said, hey, I'm letting you know all of this stuff. Boom, boom, boom. He's a convicted felon. Hold He's on. Wait. Nope. Sorry. Nope. So these jokers know that you're calling them for a domestic violence call. And I tell them, and this is my first time in life snitching ever, because where I'm from, you don't do that. And they tell you to stay with this clown. They say, young people, you don't want to get the courts involved. So it, there's on record where you see I call, and then two days later, you see the squad team had to come. So I called two days before that, was like, hey, this is this. He's actively on parole in New York. He's not even supposed to be in Georgia. If you look up his record right now, but because the systems are different, they didn't arrest him because their system isn't New York's system. But even, like, though, like, they can kind of, like, like, do, 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 like go to New York and be like, yo, we got this dude down here while now. 
Right, you know, but bro. that's they mind their business. They they chose they chose violence. <laughs> so I got a question. So sure. during the choking process, you was like, "Yo, you heard a voice say." He's done this before. He's been doing he's this. Been doing this. Yeah, like, I'm like, was it you... something like he's been doing to you or just somebody else prior to you? No, he's been doing this to me. I was. You a... never, but did you not notice it then? No, I thought that we were just fighting. Like, I thought it was us. I thought it was me. Like, you say something, I throw something. Like, you know, I thought it was just, I did not recognize it as I was in a Tina Turner situation. So I said, Why let me you think see. You, don't, you didn't recognize it as that? Because I would be spicy as well. Like, so you just thought it's like this is who I am. This is who I connected with. Like we just two spicy people. We just gonna like pop off and we gonna go back to being loving. Yeah, like I had. Well, not really. I thought that you know maybe we would have a disagreement or argument and it just got heated. Maybe drinking was involved, so maybe the alcohol took over, right? And so I was blaming it on other things and making excuses. Yeah, okay. Like okay. people do. Like people that I have counseled previously to that. Like so. So then it's like I kind of said, hey, let me. Let me see what happens if I don't respond. Because I've always been responding. I've never just like, okay. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, let me see what happens. Because I do recall, you know, being very violent. Um, and so I was like, let me see what happens. So that was the first time where I actually didn't respond. And I was like, oh, yo, you crazy. Like, okay. Like, nah, this is not what we're not going to do. And so that's um, what happened. And then I contacted, you know, the family. His family was like, hey, we're down here. And this is it. Like, there's nothing else to do. I actually didn't do anything this time. Now I'm understanding that it's not about me. Like, mm -hmm. I'm in a situation that's messed up. And I can't go on to allow my daughter to think she should be with somebody that's like this. And I can't let my son think that he should do this. So I wasn't even wise enough to get out of it for me, right? My ego woke me up like, mm -hmm. okay, girl, mm -mm, hold on. And then, my, uh, then the fact that I looked at these two people that we're seeing, now they're seeing things. Like now I'm calling the police, the police is not helping. So I called for help and I didn't get no help. But God wanted to show me that he was the help. He was the rescue. And so that's why his voice came in like, okay, I'm stopping all of this because this is foolishness. And I was like, man, God, I thought you honored marriage and all of this stuff. And he's like, well, I put together. Then God explained to me how I created that situation. See, people in life create situations and then they blame God. Mm -hmm. So I got married. We got married. It was, you know, it was, it was like, okay, well, God honored marriage, but this person doesn't honor God. Like, is this what He said for you to do, or are you doing this because you just want somebody to protect you because you got daddy issues? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, okay, cool, tough guy, neighborhood, whatever. Went to college, did this, did that. This, this will work. This is nice. Like, people in the hood don't or didn't at that time get married. That wasn't highlighted. So I was like, man, this is, this that can probably work. And it was awesome, but it wasn't the plan, right? So the reason why I was excited about it was for all the wrong reasons. There was so much brokenness, right? And, and I didn't realize it then. It was just like, oh, wow, somebody to love me, right? And, um, and so that's what, that's when I had the conversation with God, because I'm like, oh, I thought you honor marriage. And he was just like, yeah, well, I put together. Like, you did that. And then God flashed me back to the time where my mother said young people should wait. And so God began to talk to me through the scriptures. Um, the first Bible I had was stolen. Stole it. Who steals the Bible? Ain't it that great? Y'all, <laughs> just get the word, y'all. <laughs> I will give you a Bible if you need one, no, just hit me up. It's like, go through Joe. I, I give Bibles out now. But um, yeah, I was, when we moved to Georgia, um, 
there were all these apartment signs like two ninety nine. I got approved through ProMove. No shout out to ProMove because I go to ProMove like with all my approvals, and they're like, okay. Now I'm thinking approved means approved, and they're like, where's your proof of income? I'm like, I don't have no income. I just left my job. I left everything in New York. We're down here. All I have is all this money. Like, just get me the place that y'all told me I had that I picked in the internet. And they're like, oh, no, you need verification of income. We're packed up from New York in a truck with kids, two turtles, a dog. What you mean? So we literally had to drive around looking for houses for rent. And I had to beg a owner of a house, like, yo, let me in this house, please. I used to be a homeowner in New York. My house just fell short to a short sale. Because 2008 was a time real estate went phew. And um, so when I, we, that night, we couldn't find any place. The place that I thought we had on reserve or approved for was not. Um, we went to the Motel 6. All right. This is where we just leave that right there, right? Because they accept dogs. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what's a good motel, good hotel, bad. Yeah. In New York, motels, believe it or not, are not like Motel 6, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. So here I am, Motel 6, and it's cigarette burns. It's just rough. It's people knocking on the door, offering all kinds of services, right? Wow, knocking on the door, shout you out. been on Fort Industrial. I was on Panola Road. Yeah, uh, yeah I was on Panola. And, uh, or Super 8, whatever. It was one of the two, whichever one took dogs. And so, um, but yeah, anyway, we go there. And I'm happy that we had a place to stay, so let me be grateful, right? But when I went in there, I was like, bruh, this can't be my life. You know what I'm saying? It was a Sunday when we moved to Georgia, the bootleggers was closed, yes. And then I was not saved, so I was super duper drinking. Okay, and uh, so there was no bootlegs back then. And I was like, oh my God, the liquor stores are closed. Like, the liquor stores be open in New York. Like, this cannot be my life. And so we're in this hotel. Well, we meet somebody at Walgreens. She's the bootlegger. We follow her to wherever and get this bottle of, not Patron, but it was in a Patron bottle, whatever. And um, I down that and share like a shot or whatever, but I'm there like, oh my goodness. And this is where I get my Bible, the Gideon Bible. Um, I opened the door, the dog went running out, almost ran on the highway. And I'm like, this cannot be my life. So that was me again, crying out to God. And um, yeah, so I took that Bible with me and this is the same Bible that I opened up when I heard God's voice. But um, yeah, so long story short, called the authorities. The authorities uh, didn't arrest him then, but the next couple of days we had um, something at the house where people came over. And I had no way to contact people because since I had called the police, he had burnt the phone jacks in the house. So now I wouldn't be able to call the police any longer. Yo. And so then the next thing was, <laughs> the next thing was we had, um, when people came over, that's when you needed a little piece to go to go on the internet. On your laptop, you needed some kind of plug-in thing. Um, before, Wi-Fi was like the way it is, unless it's plugged in. And so we had just gotten settled in this house. We ended up did get, getting a house, this ranch-style house in Tucker. And um, we were there, and a friend came over, him and his wife, and she had a laptop. And I was like, cool. So I'm texting people, like I'm trying to email people and stuff like that. And then... He was drinking. Uh, they bought like white liquor and dark uh, and white, white liquor and brown liquor. And he had never had his own drink. I would always make his drinks and water them down since he came home from prison. So this was the first time that he had like a straight drink and um, he made it himself. And I was like, oh no, like even with the watered down liquor, you'd be lit. 
Like, now you about to, I was like, I'll get it. And he made the straight drink. And that night, it was just very different. He told everybody to get out. And, you know, he wanted to spend time with his wife. And as they exited, and I was like, oh, no, I need them to stay because I need the computer. I'm trying to communicate. I'm trying to make a way. I had a plan. My plan was to get my taxes. Once I got my taxes, um, I was going to just move to Cali with me and the kids. But the plan, that didn't work out that way. And that night was a big night. He got a gun. Uh, was chasing me around the house. Everybody had left out the house, but they called the police and the SWAT team ended up coming and it ended up being on the news. And that's when God was like, I'm done with that part. So there was a lot of trauma and drama that took place with that. And that's like, wow. Um, and yeah, he ended up getting locked up. And um, yeah, so if you got any questions on that, I don't know. <laughs> nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so imagine, um, being married, uh, being dedicated, being loyal, all of those things, um, and being cheated on and being physically abused. So while I'm sharing all of those things, disappointment, but then somebody trying to murder you. Like, so now when I encounter God and God is like, I forgave you, Ty, for all that you've done and just showing me forgiveness and God is showing me his love. And he's like, I'm a God of forgiveness. And I'm like, cool. He's like, as I forgave you, you can forgive others. And I'm like, bet. But when he showed me his love and guided me through what true forgiveness was, um, I was able now to forgive this person. I thought I had forgiven him, right? Because God, God got all churchy, you know, like, yeah, forgive you. May you be saved or whatever. <laughs> God is like, no, girl, forgiveness is like, like, I'm making a joke, but I'm being serious. Would you go play Uno with that person? Would you reconcile? People say, I forgive, but I never could forget. Did God forgive you like that? I mean, I don't know what somebody else's story is, but for me, I'm forgiven and I'm loved as if I never messed up. And so I'm not saying go get remarried. You know what I'm saying? But um, definitely got a divorce, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? But the forgiveness and the love of God allowed me to let go of hurt, pain, and trauma. But I couldn't have done that without the outpour of God. So when I had the encounter with God, I was like, bet, I'm going to church. I'm signing up for this. I'm signing up for that. And God was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm in you. And I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I need you to be in church too, because that's the God I want. I want the God that's in church. And so I went to church and got beyond holy in the acts of doing all of these things. And God was like, don't miss ministry trying to do ministry. Hmm. Like, you're doing what they're doing. And no offense, no shade to nobody. But God was talking to me. He said, you're, you're holy hood. Like, the hood people think I'm too holy since I found God. And uh, holy people think I'm too hood since I'm me. But this is the lane I am. I'm here to let people know you can love hip hop and you can love God. You're all right. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm here to share a message with people that you can't forgive somebody who tried to murder you. You can't forgive a father who uh, was on drugs, who might have hit you when you was younger. You can forgive the people that disappointed you. So I am the witness and the testimony that is possible. So I went through some of the worst possible things and there's way more but to show people that you can triumph over your trauma. So when they book me to speak, like I speak all over now about a domestic violence events, mm -hmm. but it's never what they think. I'm not there coming as the victim. I share the stories with people so they can relate and get the oohs and ahs that they need, but to will them in to let them know, who are you not forgiving? If mm -hmm. I could do it, I'm a human like you. And if you haven't forgiven, that means that there's a, ooh, ooh, there's a peace that God hasn't been able to tap into yet, into your heart. There's an area that's secluded because you're still protecting yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, that's just kind of, yeah, so uh, daddy issues, your identity is revealed when you actually get healed. 
And so many of us are, I'm just going to say plain, being fake and phony, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Until we get healed, until we deal with it. People don't deal with stuff, they want to bury it. Right. But if you're burying something, when you start to cry on top of dirt, that there's a seed of hurt, pain, bitterness, molestation, whatever that thing is. Oh, when I was younger, they didn't do this and somebody didn't do that. So you're blaming the reason why something didn't happen in your life. When now you're an adult, take action, yeah. change it, but forgive and let go. And so when you cry on top of a seed that's buried that you might've forgot about, but because you didn't uproot it, that thing is still growing, is growing. And so I help people uproot it and really deal. So I consider myself like a truth consultant some people really don't like me because I can see through it because I've been through it. And um, it's a process, but we have to start it if we want to be greater. That's dope. I appreciate you coming through to share that. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing story from of triumph, of trauma to triumph. Seriously, right. Because, like, you don't find people who willingly acknowledge their traumas. And share them and recognize the point that, you know what, I can't share this just yet because this is a part of me that's unhealed. Because I think we go through trauma after trauma after trauma not recognizing and thinking that it's a part of life because this is the way I was raised. This is what my parents did. You know, this is just life. And we don't realize until we get older and wiser that this is the part that I need to fix. This is the part. This is where I need to stop and take, you know, take heed to my healing. Yeah. Let me hold, put a hold on some things. Let me not write the book just yet. Right. Let me not, you know, speak this story just yet. And I believe that, you know, if we just take our times with ourselves and be gentle with ourselves and realize that we're all going to go through something. No one's going to be completely healed. Right. And, but you're always constantly healing. Yeah. And I think when you recognize that, that's when, that's where the story really begins. Yeah. Will you be made whole? Yeah. Like, will, will you be willing to go through the healing process? And for me, like I said, I started writing. And as I started writing, I realized some things. Mm-hmm. And even now, we start levels, like kindergarten, first grade, second grade. When I look at the book, would it be some things that I would want to change now? Sure. Yeah. But this is the kindergarten version of me writing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm writing Daddy Issues Part 3, Finding Me. And people are like, well, what happened? You got Part 2? And I'm like, no. Part two, I was now hurt in ministry. I was hurt in church. I was hurt in church, hurt in different areas where now I was hurt in God. And I'm like, hold on, God, I obeyed you. I did everything that you said. Mm-hmm. And if I would have wrote part two, it would have been a bitter me. It would have been me in pain. Oh, they did this. They left me there. Not all of it's going to work together for the good. The point and the key is to evolve from it, but release it and realize that no matter what you have or don't have, you still made it. Like today, it has some car issues. It says shift changer or something I've never saw before. All the lights lit up, and I'm like, what? And I said, you know what? I received that as a shifting. <laughs> it's yeah. taking place. But I'm going to get to where I'm going, <laughs> and I'm going to pull over for a minute and say a prayer, cut it on, cut it off, try again. But I didn't stop. Mm. And so many people stop <clears throat> and pretend as if things don't exist. And yeah. reaching out for help is just um, important. And connecting to people that can help you triumph over trauma when you see this is a book about issues, but what I didn't tell you, Joe, inside the book, after every chapter, is a prayer. And I share why I'm praying for that individual that might have went through that situation so they won't be the way I was. Mm. So this is my contribution to life to be greater. And I love helping other people triumph over their trauma and heal through writing. I love it. I love it. We're going to do a quick commercial. Cool. And then just let people know where they can find you. 
how they can get in touch with you. And if someone has a book they want to write, how they can get in touch with that, okay? I'm excited. So, again, y'all, it's your girl, Lady Tyler Gray, and I'm super excited to be here. I can be found on LadyTylerGreat.com. That's L-A-D-Y-T-Y-T-H-E-G-R-E-A-T.com. Also, on Instagram, Lady Tyler Great. I am the author of the self-published book, Daddy Issues. In addition, I have helped over 65 people plus write and self-publish their own books. So I just want to, I brought these goodies so you guys just can see. And this has happened recently as uh, one year, right? All of these people came into my course, TOT, Triumph Over Trauma. This is our newest one, King Energy. Um, they came into the course, Triumph Over Trauma. They had an idea, a thought, a vision, and we made it come to pass. Taught them the process that I did, and now they are self-published authors from poets, uh-oh, from poets to business owners to people telling uh, five steps to overcoming unforgiveness, uh, seeing past the storm, and so many things untie my soul. So just shouts out to um, you. If you have a voice, you have a story, you have a reason, I believe that there's a book on the inside of you. Us sharing our testimony is so important because we can help over others overcome. So if you have a voice, a reason, and you do, and if you're afraid and don't know how to start the process, that's what I'm here for. I opened up my university, which is Greater You University, teaching you how to operate in your greater, turning your book into a business and a brand. So I take you from start to finish through that process, and most importantly, a healing journey to wholeness. <coughs> so that's me, Lady Tyler Great. Again, hit me up on IG, Lady Tyler Great, L-A-D-Y-T-Y-T-H-E-G-R-E-A-T. Period. There you go. <laughs> this episode is also sponsored by... The Emboldened Institute, the only place that I know that sends out daily text messages of healing. So we send out messages of helping you overcome these traumas and so that you can get to your triumph portion of life. So if you just text me the word HEAL to 404-476-6780. That's 404-476-6780. You can also text me the word AFFIRMATION to that same number. I send out daily affirmations to help you affirm yourself and to really truly understand yourself and really understand that you are worth it, you are valuable, and you have purpose. So text me 404-476-6780, the word heal or affirmation. And, you know, we can join the community. You can also check us out, www.iamlivingblessed.com. You can get some merchandise, all other good stuff. Thank you, Lady Ty. Woo -woo. Appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate we you. Out. Peace.